welcome back to my two sit on love where we talk about all aspects of relationships because we can't get better together if we aren't getting better individually again as always i'm your host montique on the mic and today's topic is going to be on what makes a good friend and i was going through twitter today and i saw a post of a tiktoker named lorene whose ad on tiktok is claire underscore witch and Lorene describes herself as a neurospicy coach who is an advocate for a neurodivergent ADHD, which is a combination of autism and ADHD. Now, what does that have to do with being a good friend? Well, Lorene was re- reacting to a TikToker by the name of Nicole Villa, who had the following to say. You know how you can tell if somebody's a good friend? Stop calling them. Now, what Nicole is saying here is basically if you are a good friend, then you would reach out to see how they're doing, tap in with them, all that good stuff. And if you can stop calling somebody or start messaging somebody and you don't hear from them again, then, well, as some would say, the trash has taken itself out. But things aren't usually that cut and dry now, are they? So let's see what Lorene had to say about that. I think this is the biggest difference between neurotypical and neurodivergent people and autistic people and holistic people when it comes to relationships. Now, just to explain what she means by that, when she says neurotypical people, she's talking about people who do not suffer from any form of autism or mental health disorders or things like that. Uh, neurodivergent people are people who do. Now, as she'll explain, she herself was diagnosed with autism, so her page is pretty much dedicated to like helping people understand the spectrum and, under- and provide context to some of the behaviors that people who deal with that have. So let's move on. Before I was diagnosed autistic, I actually lost a really good friendship because of this. Um, I'm a really good friend. I am a really good listener. I give awesome advice. I take really good care of my friends. If they ever call me, I will drop anything and I will go do whatever they need. I feed them. um, I buy them things. But I'm really, really bad at being vulnerable and checking up on people and being the one to reach out. It's just one of the skills I don't have a relationship now that last thought that she has is one that i kind of take issue with so she says that reaching out and being the first person to check in is not one of the skills that she has when it comes to that skills can be earned like you can gain skills that's a known fact also when she uses words like i don't do that or i can't do that that's a very defeatist mindset and by having that mindset you basically are telling yourself that you can't do something and thus the effort on even trying or attempting to goes down drastically. Now, my dad had this saying that when a man who says he can and a man who says he can't are both right, which means that what you tell yourself matters. If you say you can do something, then you'll try that much harder to make it happen. If you say you can't do something, then essentially you're telling your brain that you're incapable of it. And thus your effort of trying to accomplish that task goes down drastically. Now, with that being said, Uh, One of the things she's saying is that with those issues that she experiences, that this is something that is hard for her to do, which it is. I have friends who are neurodivergent and yeah, they do have problems reaching out at certain times and that's fine. However, big part of that is communication as well. So think of it like this. Let's say if you go into an interview and you're sitting across from the boss lady, she asks you what makes you a good worker will make you good for this job. So you tell her all the great things, right? You say, hey, I'm a hard worker. I'm going to bust my ass for this job. I'm going to do everything that's needed. I'm going to be the person to stay late, you know, to be the person that's team camaraderie, everything. The only problem is I'm just bad at showing up. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be late, if I'm going to call out or just no call, no show. But other than that, great worker. Like when I'm there, I'm in there. What do you think is going to happen at the interview? 
because that's essentially to most people that's what they see when they hear something like well yeah i'm a great friend but i'm just not going to contact you first to most people they're looking at it like if you don't contact me then how are you a good friend now now what's interesting about this reaction is both people are essentially saying the same thing both are letting you know what their needs and wants are and what they look for in a friendship now we'll get to that in a bit but let's move on to the next one like i'm super loyal i bring so much to the table but if it's been a long time since we've talked i probably won't reach out because i also have rejection sensitivity dysphoria and i'll feel bad once i realize it and then i will like feel like maybe they need space and there's all of these social things that go on in my brain when reaching out to other people and i feel like if you aren't able to express your needs to your friend now we're cut off right there because she says something really important also um they're both saying the same thing both people are looking for somebody to reach out first in order to make that first step of talking and knowing that the other person understands where they're coming from or that they care the difference is the first person is doing it consciously out of a need to see if their friend cares which is testing that person by, by not reaching out first loreen is a person who does it on instinct because they believe that they can't what she just said was she feels like if you aren't able to express your needs to your friend and she goes on to some other things. But what she's but essentially that line right there, what it's saying is if these two people were friends, you have to be able to communicate and say, hey, this is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. This is how I communicate in a relationship. And if you have those conversations, things like testing out like the whole don't message first or don't call first thing never happens in the first place because you have an understanding of what that person is looking for and how you can be the best friend to them. I have friends who I don't hear from for years. I have friends I don't hear from for months. I have friends that if they go two hours without messaging me, then something probably happened. You have people in all spectrums and all situations. But you have to understand who those people are and go from there because everybody is completely different. So that communication piece is 100 percent correct. Because me as a friend, we cannot talk for a week, a month. A year two years and if you message me i'm gonna be like tell me everything i'm not gonna be like it's been two years I, that's just not who i am as a friend now here she says something very mockingly when she says it's been two years but the problem is she's not understanding where people are coming from yeah to one person they'll feel forgotten and uncared for in that two-year period to someone else they'll feel like no time has changed and they'll be like tell me everything Neither person is wrong or inherently a bad friend in either situation. They're just different. Because what if I told you that the person who said it's been two years has abandonment issues and that person is dealing with things on their end? Like this whole thing, she's trying to make people understand how it is to be a neurodivergent person. What if she's dealing with another neurodivergent person? What if she's dealing with somebody who is going through a trauma anniversary or has lost someone close to them? It's one thing to say it's been two years and just leave it at that. But there's so much more behind that statement that she's not going into. That's kind of disingenuous that she would mockingly say that when most of the time somebody would say that because they're hurt that they didn't hear from somebody in two years. So if you as a friend are incapable of communicating your needs and allowing your neurodivergent friends to either try to accommodate, explain themselves, um, work together, have a system. If you're just testing your friends, I feel like you're the bad friend. That was the last thing she had to say, but 
I will say is the very ending part where she says, if you're one testing your friends, then most likely you're the bad friend. Very rarely does those tests happen without there being words exchanged beforehand. In other words, people are generally saying like, hey, you know, why I'm always one to message first. You never message me. But like these are conversations that generally have before the quote unquote test happens. So, no, that doesn't make someone a bad friend. And she's being a little disingenuous with characterization here. One thing I will agree with is that there's a conversation that needs to be had in terms of what's needed in the friendship if things get this way. What she's not saying here, generally before someone does a test like that, there are arguments, there are comments, things made like, hey, I always message you first, something like that that happened before this. Now, what I feel like she's alluding to is a friendship where one person is always messaging first and then one day says just out of the blue, you know what? I want to see if they'll message me. So they stop thus, quote unquote, testing that friend. But what if I told you the person that's doing that testing has clinical depression and during that time they want to feel cared for because of the things going on in their head. So they say, you know what? I'm not going to message anybody because I want to see who cares enough about me to reach out. So I feel like I'm needed in somebody's life. Would you call that person a bad friend for testing you? I don't think you would. And the reason why is because that test is them testing themselves in the space of everyone else's life. People do that in order to test how important they are, not necessarily how good of a friend you are, because the reason behind the test is if you don't hear from me, how long will it take for you to reach out? And if you don't take the time or care enough to get out of your head for five seconds and say, we haven't talked for a while, I hope you're okay, then who's really the bad friend? The problem is you didn't do the fundamental thing needed in any relationship, which is communication. I can't speak for people with autism or who are neurodivergent. What I can speak for is me. I have a trauma anniversary that comes up in September and rolls all the way throughout the holidays. Now, with that being said, I prepare people that I know and that I usually talk to and I let them know I'm probably not going to communicate as much as I usually do around this time. And this is why communication is always the key. So when she says, if you as a friend are incapable of communicating your needs, that's a burden you bear as well. Communication isn't one way and it's up to both people to get their expectations out of the way. But if we're talking about a neurotypical person and a neurodivergent person, then it's up for the neurodivergent person to start that conversation to say that, hey, this is something that I currently struggle with. This is how I feel about certain things and allowing that other person to come in and say, "Okay, this is what I expect in the friendship and this is what I'm needing. At that point, you can decide if you want to keep moving forward with the friendship, work with things, work through them, or even just part ways amicably. But the conversation needs to be started by the person who has the issue, because most of the time what really happens in these situations is the neurotypical person has no clue the neurodivergent is dealing with anything and does that out of frustration of being the only one to reach out first. So the bottom line is this communicate in your best way possible. Some people love texting first and other people struggle to both are fine. And it doesn't matter which one you are because neither makes you the bad friend. The only bad friend is one that won't communicate at all to know what the friendship needs in order to keep going. What both the original poster and Lorene miss is this. People need to feel cared about in their own ways. And to some, that looks really different. So find out what makes your friends feel cared about and act accordingly from there. Or don't. And end up with either lost friendships or shells of good ones. Now, that'll be it for today. But today's homework on this topic is to go through your text, find an old friend you haven't talked to in a while and just text this. Hey, I just thought of you and I hope you're okay," And leave it at that, because sometimes a simple hey can go a long way. I've been your host, Montique, and this has been my two cent on love. So I hope this finds you well as we keep on going on this trip to getting a little better every day and in the days ahead. Until next time. Peace.